Welcome to the Mixtape Podcast, the podcast dedicated to deconstructing film from a screenplay writer's perspective. I'm your host. My name is Marcelo Nestroza, joined as always by my psychological con, my psychological consciousness, Dean Stark. Uh, and on today's program, we will be discussing the 2001 film Memento. As always, as we often do here on the show, Dean will try to take us through this film without losing her fucking mind. So with that being said, Dean, shall we begin? I have never seen Memento before this. And the reason I hadn't seen it is because I avoided it at all costs. Because people were like, it's really confusing to follow. It's all done out of order. It's backwards. And I'm like, you know what? I don't actually have the brain to do that right now. And so I just never watched it. So let's get into it. Let's try and follow my notes um, and see how we go. So Memento, written and directed by Christopher Nolan. Leonard Shelby, an, insur- an insurance investigator, suffers from a rare form of memory loss. He was – let me try that. Let's fucking take two. <laughs> Let's fucking take two of this. I can't read my writing. I was so stressed about watching this movie, I fucking scribbled. <laughs> All right, take fucking take two. All right. Leonard Shelby, an insurance investigator, suffers from a rare form of memory loss. Um, he – see, I can't – what the fuck does that say? <laughs> Oh, that's right. Okay, take three, take three. This is take three. <laughs> you couldn't remember, right? I wish I could take a picture and show. Okay, this is fucking take three. Oh, my God. Okay, here we go. Leonard Shelby, an insurance investigator, suffers from a rare form of memory loss. He uses notes and tattoos to hunt for the man he thinks killed his wife. Yay! <laughs> we got there. Oh, my fucking God. Okay, so this has um, an Australian actor called Guy Pearce. I think this was like his like breakout role and then everybody kind of wanted him. So the opening scene, I really like the opening scene because it's just a shot of a Polaroid. And it, it's got the opening credits, but there's, it's just the Polaroid. And you're kind of looking at it. And then it's kind of starting to, like, fade. Like, for anybody that's old that's ever used a Polaroid camera, when you take a photo it's and you pull it out of the, the Polaroid camera, it's white, and then the image starts to appear. So what Christopher Nolan has done is he's done it backwards. So he's making the Polaroid actually go back to, like, disappearing when it's white, when it just comes out of the Polaroid, which I think is really cool. And it's really sets the tone for the movie because he's basically saying, this movie is done out of order and backwards. Um, but I really, 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 really love that. Do you love that? Despite what I have said to you on multiple occasions, I do like stories that challenge the viewer to use their brain. But with that being said, there's one thing of challenging the viewer to use their brain and frustrating the viewer because they just can't keep the story straight in their head. Um, the The wonderful thing about the way that Christopher Nolan constructs his films is he presents you with just let's say for the sake of this podcast, he presents you with a box and he goes, I want you to open this box, right? So you go through the motions and once you open the box, you discover that there's a smaller box and inside of that, there's a smaller box and inside of that, there's a smaller box. So the way that Christopher Nolan structures his films to make a long story straight, to make a long story short, is very, very intriguing, but they can be extremely frustrating 
if you're not used to his acumen. Yes, exactly. Um, to be honest, I think if this movie was edited straight, it would it wouldn't be great. I think the reason why it's good is the way it was presented because if it was I mean I know there's a cut where you can watch it everything like um in a linear fashion and that's fine I don't care to watch that because I don't know it would just be like a boring uh movie to me the fact that it was edited the way that it was makes it so good so anyway um after the Polaroid you see there's a scene where Guy Pearce's character is shooting someone in the head you don't know who it is yet but as soon as he shoots him in the head the so it rewinds uh, and I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. And again, it's kind of setting up the whole, this movie is, is, is rewound. So anyway, so that's the opening scene and you, you, you're confused um, as shit. And then the first scene is Guy Pierce's character is, and remember everything is out of order. So there's no introductions. You don't know who anyone is. It's like, yeah, it's just weird. Guy Pierce is at a hotel and he's talking to the hotel uh, manager and he sees, he turns around, he sees the guy he just killed. And as an audience member, if you don't know this movie is out of order, you're going to be confused. I think that's what confuses people. When this movie first came out, when people saw it in the cinema, I think that's why people thought it was confusing. But watching it, knowing that it is out of order, it's less confusing because you know that it's out of sync. I don't know. Do you, did, do you feel that? Like, okay, when you first watched this movie, because you've seen it more than me, did you know that it was edited out of order? When I first watched this movie, I wasn't on the path of becoming a screenplay writer yet. But in subsequent rewatches, it, it, you know, it, it does help knowing that the film is out of order and as an audience member, you are given clues, but clues that don't make sense. But a scene or two later, they will make complete sense. The thing that I love about the way that this film is structured, I often talk about dropping hats on the ground. So Guy Pierce's character, Leonard, would do something, right? He would interact with a character, right? And about two scenes later, you would see how Leonard initially met that character so after you do that you you could as, as an audience member you have to put two and two together but i think that doesn't work for the general audience member who is not paying attention while watching this film i look i adore this film but if you are not paying attention you're going to be more frustrated and more lost than anything yeah you definitely have to pay attention i mean look when I watched the movie and I, I, did, I did write notes, I thought, I don't know how I'm going to deconstruct this as a screenwriter because it's out of order. It's out of sync. You don't, I mean, you, you, you don't really get a character arc. You don't really get a story arc. Like you got, uh, somehow it works without working. Right, Do you know yeah, what I mean? And, and yeah, I, I, I absolutely uh, know what you mean. But the only, the only reason it works is because it's broken and it's rewound. If this, if this story yeah. was told linearly, like 99% of the stories that we've talked about or 99% of the movies that we've talked about on this podcast, this film would not work. And throughout the course of the movie, you really get a sense of what it feels like to be in Leonard's... Uh, you, I, I, as an audience member, you really get a sense of what it, what it must feel like to be Leonard. So 
while you were giving the introduction, that sort of just popped into my head. That may be the reason why Christopher Nolan shot this film in this particular way and why and, and why his brother wrote the short story in this particular way was to put the audience in the mind of their principal character, that being Vincent, to make the movie the disease that Vincent is suffering from. I think it absolutely worked because I really connected with Leonard. I felt the more this, the movie goes along, the more you put the pieces together, the more you feel fucking so bad for him. <laughs> you feel so fucking bad for him because it's easy to take advantage of someone that has a memory of like, I think it's like 10 or 15 minutes. And then he, and then he just doesn't remember. It's so easy. And people do. Anyway, let's just, let's continue. Cause that's, that's kind of later on. Um, so he's, um, Guy Pierce's character is in the hotel. He sees the guy that he just killed and, um, he, the guy that he just killed, they know each other. Like he knows him, but Guy Pierce doesn't know him because he's, got memory loss um so they get into a car and they drive to like an old old abandoned place and he finds a polaroid of the guy that he's with and he turns it over and it says teddy don't believe his lies he's the one kill him and throughout this movie he to help him remember he takes polaroids of everything and every person and writes down who they are and a little bit of information about them on the back which i thought is actually a really really ingenious thing to do um for christopher nolan to to put into the movie to sort of help him remember and to push the story along because without those pol- polaroids I mean, you wouldn't have a story. There would be no story because Guy Pearce wouldn't remember anything. You wouldn't know anything. He'd just, kept, he'd just keep forgetting every 15 minutes and you'd be going around in circles. Anyway, um, so this guy's name is Teddy. So Teddy comes in and then we see the opening scene where he draws a gun on Teddy. Um, and Teddy turns around to him before he shoots him and he says, you don't know who you are. And then Guy Pierce, you know, clocks him in the head and that's the opening scene. And so it's like, okay, this movie is running backwards. Once you get a sense of how the editing is, I think it's pretty kind of pretty easy um, to follow along. I have an obsession with screenplay writers, you know, dropping hats on the ground to lead the audience. But the ingenious thing about this film is that the hats that Christopher Nolan is laying on the ground and by extension, his brother laid on the ground in the original story are going backwards. So, uh, you know, you know, I just, you know, I just wanted to add that little, uh, that little, you know, sprinkle in there. So the next scene is Guy Pierce and he's writing on the back of the Polaroid about Teddy. Like what we just saw, it says, don't believe his lies. We actually see him writing it. And it's like, okay. And then he's talking and then he goes to the hotel uh, manager and he's saying, hey, you know me? And the hotel manager's like, yeah, I know you. He goes, yeah, I've got, and he explains he's got short-term memory loss and he's sorry he doesn't remember him. And he goes, he's basically like, have I told you this before? And the hotel manager's like, yeah, you've told me this. Um, So anyway, Teddy walks into the hotel, which was the start of the scene before, and then they get in the car. (laughs) Great. It's great. And you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, it's great. Once you figure out how – like what's going on and how it's edited. It's like, oh my God, it is a mindfuck. I mean, it is. So anyway, after that, 
we're at his hotel room and he has a map on the wall and all the Polaroids up of certain places and people and he's looking for something. So we don't know what the, we don't know what the story is yet. He's looking for something and then he opens his shirt in front of the mirror and there's tattoos all over his body and it's reminding him of stuff. So like the Polaroids, he's just tattooed very, very important information like license plate numbers, names, um, all this stuff. Um, on his body, which is kind of cool, just reminds him what he needs to do. So he finds out um, Teddy is not his real name and then he writes – and then he writes on the back of the Polaroid, which was the scene we saw before, but this is the scene leading up to him writing on the back of the Polaroid that this guy's full of shit. And on his chest, across his chest, he has John G. raped and murdered my wife. And so you're like – Okay, you kind of get a gist of where the story. Okay, so maybe he's looking for the person that raped and killed his. You don't. You kind of don't know a hundred percent yet, but you know where it's going. For me, as an audience member, when I watched this film the third time, it clicked in, and I had, um, I had no, you know, you know, I, I really had a firm understanding of the story at that point. I, I really understood that. This guy is looking for the man. This guy is looking for the man or the individuals who killed his wife. But the great thing, the the crux that makes this movie work is the fact that he can't remember anything for more than ten seconds. So that's what makes this movie work. Also, I really, really want to ask you something before I forget it. You know that I have. You know that I have a very interesting opinion about voiceover and how it's used. I, yeah, (laughs) Uh I really liked the voiceover in this film because I thought it was necessary to get into Vincent's mind and to have him tell the story about how, how he learned about memory loss and about his previous life as an insurance uh, adjuster. So what did you think about the way that, uh, uh, did you like the way that Christopher Nolan handled voiceover in this film? Um, Are you talking about the black and white bits, which I'll get to, or are you talking about the bits just where he's randomly got a thought and it's voiceover? Either of them. Okay. So the random bits where it's just Guy Pearce doing voiceover, like sometimes he'll be like, shit, where's my gun? Or like, where did I leave this? Here's a little bit of trivia before I get to the trivia. That was Guy Pearce making it up. Like that that wasn't dialogue. That was Guy Pearce just ad-libbing the voiceover of what he thought his character would say in the moment. And then Christopher Nolan just edited it in, which I thought was pretty cool. So that wasn't scripted. Um, Yes, so there's... There's black and white bits that is intercut through the whole movie. I did not write any of it down because it was too, it was so convoluted as it fucking was. Um, my notes would have been up the fucking yin yang, as you would say. So I didn't write write it down. But intercut through the movie, there's black and white bits, and it tells the backstory of of Leonard. He was an insurance broker, and he he never used to suffer from memory loss. Um, until he was knocked out and it, it, it got brain damage. Um, and that's when his memory loss started, which is when, um, his, his, there's people, people broke into his house and they were trying to like, they were trying to rape and murder his wife. He tried to get, he tried to get away, blah, blah. And then they sort of clocked him in the head and, and 
ever since then he's had memory loss um, and it kind of goes through I did actually really like the story in the black and white bit about his I don't know was it his client with the woman his client or the man and 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 that man was suffering from the memory loss that he's suffering from and it's like this whole story I I mean through the whole movie I was thinking this makes no sense but then in the end it kind of does make sense so what are your thoughts on the black and white bits i enjoyed the black and white bits even though they were confusing but at the end it does actually make sense i actually thought that the black and white bits were everything that happened before the movie started so i assumed that the individual that he was talking to on the phone he was relaying everything that we were seeing as an audience in color and uh, his 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 client, when he was an insurance adjuster, was the man. And his experience with that couple made him understand after he got after he got injured that in order for him to survive in this world, he had to become reliant on routine. He had to become reliant on routine. That that's the only way that he was going to function and get anything done with this with this disease yeah um but uh, yeah the black and white stuff will come back a bit like right at the end it comes back and you're like oh that's interesting um so anyway the next scene is he goes to a restaurant to find someone called natalie he has a polaroid of her it says natalie um and he sits down at a diner or the restaurant and she's got bruises. She's got glasses on. She's got bruises. She's got a cut lip. So you kind of know she's been kind of beaten up and she's giving him information about who killed his wife. And then she tells him about the abandoned place that he was at in the beginning when he shot Teddy. So it's like, Oh, that's how he knows to take Teddy there because she told him. So, so that's Natalie. She's going to come in and out of the script annoyingly. So even though I love Carrie Ann Moss, that's Carrie Ann Moss, by the way. So anyway, the next scene is, um, he has, he's having lunch with Teddy. He goes back to the hotel. He says that he lost his key. The hotel manager checks. See, this is, This is what I found really weird. The hotel manager checks his room, goes in, opens his room, and his shit is in there, right? So Leonard's shit, Guy Pearce's stuff, is in there. Um, And then he says he moved him last week to another room. And Leonard's like, he goes in and he's like, God, he's, and he's like, but this is my stuff. And he's like, yeah, I moved you next week and last week. Yeah, but do you know why he did that? I don't No, Because when, when, um, before... Before, you know, last week, Leonard already told the manager of the hotel his condition, right? So the manager of the Mm. hotel was told by the owner of the hotel to double book him because he knew that Leonard wouldn't remember. But why is Leonard's stuff in the old room? And why has it been in the old room for a week? Because, like, anybody that stays in hotels, like, they know that as soon as you check out, the maid comes in, cleans for the next person to check in. So why is his stuff still in his old room from a week ago? That makes no sense from a hotel yeah, standpoint. Uh, yes, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I what I mean. It, but number one, uh, this place is seedy. It doesn't have any maids. And number two, the manager of this hotel has moved Leonard more than four times because he does make – yeah, he yeah, no, does mention that Leonard has like four rooms booked. He Leonard has four rooms yeah, yeah. booked within the hotel. 
Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Okay, okay. That didn't make sense, but, yeah, it makes sense now. So, anyway, the next scene, um, he wakes up next to Natalie, who is the one that he just met in the diner, uh, wakes up in bed next to her, and he's kind of confused as to why he's there. Um, And then he gets up and he walks around her house a bit, and he finds a photo of uh, Natalie and her husband. And we don't know that's her husband. Like, they're in a cuddly pose. You assume that it's her boyfriend, husband, or whatever. So that's that scene. The next scene is he shows up at Natalie's house, and he doesn't know who she is, and he shows her a Polaroid of someone named Dodd. It's a Polaroid of a guy that's, like, beaten up. He's got duct tape over his mouth. He's He's got blood on him, and it's just called Dodd. And he puts the Polaroid up to her, and he's like, who the fuck is this? And she says, um, uh, you helped me. Um, because Dodd beat her up and she's telling him he told her he would help her. And obviously now he doesn't, he's like, she's like, you don't remember. And he's like, no, I don't remember. And then, um, so this scene precedes the scene where he woke up next to her in bed. So this is her coming to her house, coming to, this is him coming to her house. And then they wake up the next morning. So that's that scene. I really, again, I'm going to say constantly, you know, on, on this podcast, not that I want you to explode or anything, but you really have to pay attention in this movie. And it's, it's, this movie is in, is ingeniously, this movie is ingeniously crafted, but I feel that this movie is made for people like us because I can just see a normal person trying to figure this movie out and walking the hell and walking the fuck out of the movie theater. okay so the next scene is um he wakes up in a hotel room clearly he has no idea where he is and he looks in the closet he's got somebody tied up in the closet who is dodd who is the guy from the polaroid that he went to fucking natalie's house um there's a knock at the front door it's teddy um asks him um Oh, he asked, Teddy asked him, like, who, who is that guy? Um, oh, no, no. Is it him? Or No, it's not. No, 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 somebody no, asked who it is. No, Teddy's the one who asked Vincent who is in the closet because Vincent, oh, well, shit, I can't say that. This hasn't happened yet. But Vincent, see, guys, this is how completely confusing the show is. The movie is. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's confusing because, to talk about. <laughs> because Vincent calls Teddy, so that's the only reason he shows up. Vincent? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's that's a scene that you haven't. Well, you you haven't talked about that scene yet because it hasn't happened yet. Wait, but who's Vincent? <laughs> is that the hotel? No, manager? no. Vincent. Vincent is the name of the 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 main character. Uh, 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 uh Guy Pierce's character. Uh, Leonard. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Vincent is. <laughs> Who the fuck is Vincent? <laughs> oh, oh my god! Wow. <laughs> and you're like, we haven't got to that part yet. I'm like, oh my god, I don't, I don't remember Vincent. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> that see that see that's funny. <laughs> That's funny. Oh my god, Leonard, Leonard, Leonard. <sighs> um, yeah. Okay, onward. Let's just, let's just go. Fuck. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Um. So anyway, Leonard says he doesn't know what to do with him. 
Um, and so he marches him out. He's got a gun at his back. He still doesn't know what to do with him. And then the next scene is he shows up at Natalie's asking who Dodd is. So this is this scene precedes the scene where he went to Natalie's house and asks who the fuck this guy is that he took the Polaroid. I feel like <laughs> I feel meant. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm like mentally exhausted because every time I tell, I say a scene, it's I have to explain that it's the scene that goes before the scene that goes before this scene, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, oh my what? god. I actually, oh my god. Okay. Actually, you know what this movie's like? This movie's like. I don't. I don't know if you guys ever played Jenga, but it's like stacking Jenga tiles and not wanting yeah. the tower to fall. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so the next scene is um, Guy Pierce uh, is in the shower, and then um, there's he sees someone on the other side of the the shower um, glass, um, and it's Dodd. So this is the scene where. Dodd and him fight, and then obviously Guy Pierce knocks him out and puts him in the closet, which is how he got in the closet. The next scene is it sort of cuts to the next scene where they're running through a caravan park. Um, uh, Dodd and um, Guy Pierce's character, they're running through a carab- caravan park, um, and then they drive away, and then it cuts to the next scene where they're at the he's at the hotel. Guy Pierce goes to the hotel and he goes into a room and he hides in a room and it's the start of the previous see I'm like <laughs> anyway let's just continue cuz like I'm just like mentally exhausted <laughs> talking about this movie already I don't even think we're halfway through um so the next scene is he's driving a car he's driving a car he's he, okay sorry he's driving and then a car flags him down he stops and then Dodd gets out of the car and that's when they race through the caravan park um anything you want to say about any of those scenes yeah uh, i will say something short because I, uh because i i i really really want to put you out of your misery but in several scenes in this movie vincent's car has a busted window and you really don't find out why that window is busted until you see the scene of Leonard being chased by Dodd through the, uh, through the mobile homes. That's all I want to say. Oh, I didn't even notice the busted yeah. window. Oh my, I mean, I was paying attention, but like to a point yeah. <laughs> because there was so much to sort of take in. Anyway, the next scene is, um, where is the next scene? Um, oh, he's driving at night to someplace and then he he's building a fire and he's burning items of his wife. So his wife's book and like some other stuff. So the next scene, it cuts to the next scene. He wakes up in the hotel room. He goes to the bathroom and he, he opens the door of the bathroom and there's like a girl, I think she's like snorting cocaine off her hand or something. And that's it. And then, like, you assume that it's a prostitute, but you don't know because this you know, movie is so choppy. So, like, you know, that's that. I, you know, at this mm. point in the film, I was sitting I was sitting there going, wait a minute. This, I mean, look, this movie is nonsensical, as Dean has, you know, uh, has said multiple times. But at this point in the movie, I was like, wait a minute. What if Vincent is doing something else? And what if the, no, but hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> What if what he's doing, he's already done? You mean Leonard? Oh, my God, I did it again. (laughs) 
Who's Vincent? Do you know someone named Vincent? Did you watch a movie and then one of the characters was named Vincent? Leonard. Leonard. His name is fucking Leonard. Guys, guys, Leonard, guys you see, Leonard. I have the disease that Guy Pierce has in this movie because I can't remember. <laughs> you must have. You must have. But it must go away after this podcast is ended because I cannot have a friendship with you if you have his disease. I would just go mental. I'd go absolutely. No, I, you know, you know, I, you know, I, I, I need to keep my marble straight because all the shit that I do, I need to keep my marble straight. But. I, but yes, I, please. Uh, after that scene, I really thought that maybe Leonard has gone has gone yeah. through this scenario before. So that made me question: mm. perhaps the hooker or the or the junkie showing up in his hotel room was a part of Leonard's plan to go through this scenario again and again and again. Because another thing that Another thing that I thought, another thing that I thought Christopher Nolan did very, very well is that you don't really know how much time has passed since Leonard's wife got killed. So it may be five months or 20 years. You have no idea because. Yeah, that's brought up multiple times. In the in the movie, Teddy brings it up. He's like, "You don't know how much time right. has passed." That's what he says. Like, it could be a year, it could be ten years. Right, you don't know. Leonard is a very unre- is a very unreliable narrator. I mean, he's incredibly unreliable. So, at that point of the movie, i i started I started to suspect, and I started to, you know, see the tea leaves on the ground. And I said, "If if Christopher Nolan and his brother are going this way." That's really cool. Yeah. Um, so the next scene is him checking into his hotel and he's on the phone calling for an escort. And when the escort shows up, it's the girl from the bathroom from the previous scene. And then he tells her, wait for me to fall asleep and then go into the bathroom and slam the door as loud as you can to wake me up. Um, and I also want you to put these items around the room. So they're his wife's items. And she's kind of going – uh, okay. And as an audience member, you're kind of going, uh, okay. And it, I don't know that scene. And I, I, when I was reading up about the movie, there was a lot of people that didn't understand what the point of that scene was because it never comes back and it doesn't really have anything to do with the storyline. So do you have, what do you think about that scene from like a, yeah, from your no, perspective? That, no, that scene really you know, began my theory as to what is happening here and as to what Leonard is really doing and as to how many times he has looked for his wife's killer. So at this point, I'm thinking Leonard is a giant hamster and, the, and you know, you know, and, you know, and, and the case and, and his quest for vengeance is the big giant hamster ball. That he just that that he just keeps going, you know that he that he just keeps walking through over and over and over and over again, and the thing that's hard and the thing that is heartbreaking about it is that because of his condition, he can't remember that he's in one big giant loop. Yeah, you do kind of feel sorry for him um, a lot so, through this movie. So I so so I so so I found that scene very very effective. Because that triggered that idea in my head. 
So the next scene is he gets in his car, Teddy's in his car, and he freaks out because he doesn't remember him. And, like, if I was Teddy, oh, my God, can you imagine seeing someone, like, a lot and never remembering who, never remembering who they were? Like, from the other person's perspective, if I was Teddy, I'd be like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, you know me, like, you would just be mental. Um, so Teddy's telling him that he can't trust Natalie. He's like, you can't trust her. Um, her boyfriend is a drug dealer, blah, blah, blah. And so at this point, you know, Leonard, Guy Pierce doesn't really know who to trust because he knows that he can't trust Teddy because he's got that on the Polaroid. And now Teddy's saying he can't trust Natalie. And he's like, I don't, <laughs> I would be, yeah, it's confusing. I would be so fucking confused if I was him. Um, so anyway, the next scene is he's at Natalie's house. Natalie comes in um, all, like, beaten up, um, which is when he met her at the diner, it's the same bruising, cut on the lip, it's the same thing. So you go, okay, this is not – this is the same instance. It's the same, like, beat up. Um, And, you know, Guy Pearce is like, I'll find him and I'll bruise him up. And she tells him – I told him what your car looks like because I had to give him something. Which and that it's at that point where you kind of go, what? Like, yeah, I I don't know. It's it, you know, and then you go, you start questioning Natalie's character because it doesn't that doesn't make sense. Oh, I had to give him something, so I told him what your car looks like. No, you you kind of go, there's something. You kind of begin to get suspicious of Natalie because. Again, this movie's not cut linear in a linear fashion, so you don't know who's good, who's bad. You 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 have no idea. So, anything to say about those no? Scenes? You know that's the genius of it. You're right. This film is not cut in a linear fashion. So when characters do things and when they react a certain way, you start to question. You start to question their motives as an audience member, and as we're going to find out in just a few moments here. Natalie is far from being above board. Yes, and um the next scene straight after this scene is when you realize oh this is what's going on. This is this is what's happening. So, we're at her house again and Natalie says to Guy Pierce, "I need you to get rid of Dodd for me because she's saying Dodd did did this to me. He's my boyfriend, he beat me up, blah blah." And she gets – and Guy Pierce is like uh, – like, he's so innocent. Like, the casting of Guy Pierce was so good because he, he's just so innocent looking. And then she starts getting frustrated with him and she starts berating him. She starts saying, oh, you're a nobody, your wife was a, was a whore and she slept around. And you're, you're like, what? Like, it just comes out of nowhere. And she just like – every single thing that she could think of to hurt him, she does. And you're like, okay, what, okay, what is your angle here? What are you trying to, and then you're like, okay, wait a minute. Because at this point, right, she doesn't have bruises on her face. She's completely clean. So this is before Dodd beat her up. And so she starts, so she's berating him, or your wife is a whore, you're a shit husband, blah, 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 blah. And he's standing there and He's just like no, he's he's like backing off. He's looking at her like, oh, okay, this is a bit strange. And then I come up. She says something that just like gets him. And then he starts hitting her and beating her up. And when she she looks at him, it's exactly the same bruises as from the restaurant, as from all the previous scenes. And you're like, oh, it wasn't Dodd. It was actually him that beat her up. That's how she got the bruises. So. 
she leaves the house. She rushes out. She runs out of the house and he's like, fuck, I have to remember that I did this. So he's frantically in her house trying to find a pen. He finds a piece of paper and it, it, she knows. So she knows she's gotten rid, she's gotten rid of all the pens and she's sitting in her car and she's sitting, her car's in the driveway and she's sitting in her car and she's just staring at him frantically trying to find a pen. And you're like, what the fuck is she doing? what the fuck is she doing? And then she waits like 10 or 15 minutes. And then she goes back into the house. And when she goes in all beaten up, he turns around and he goes, Oh, what happened to you? So his memory's completely wiped. So she knows how long it takes for his memory wipe to kick in. But how does she know that will be revealed in previous scenes. But I, and then she says, oh my God, you know, Dodd beat me up. And you're like, oh, what a floozy. Like, yeah, I loved that scene. I thought that scene really brought a lot of the story together. Really begin to understand how people can take advantage of Leonard if they understand how his disease works. This, this movie is like a giant puzzle box but a giant puzzle box being opened backwards. And with every door that you open, the puzzle box becomes more and more fascinating. Yeah, exactly. That scene was just like, I love that scene. Um, So anyway, the next scene is right back at Natalie's house again. And he's telling her what happened to his wife. So obviously this scene was like before. Oh, oh, um, oh, can I just interject? Yeah. His wife is played yeah. by George, uh, Georgia Fox. And for those of you who like, uh, who, who like procedural shows, Georgia Fox is a legend for being one of the uh, original um, actors who started in the original CSI in, in the early two thousands. And Oh, that's yeah, where she's I, from. I was trying to, I was like, where have I seen her from? Yeah, that's and, right. Yeah, and yeah. I had the biggest crush on her in high school because I, you know, I watched CSI all throughout middle school and high school along with Buffy. I just had to throw, I just had to throw that little bit in there. Yeah, that's, that's exactly who she is. I was like, who the fuck is she? I know I've seen her before. Anyway, so anyway, they're at Natalie's house and he's telling her what happened to his wife. So now we go into like the scenario of him, him, because he says that's the last thing he actually remembers perfectly. After that is when he fucking can't remember shit. So um, we go up into the scenario. He's in bed. He hears a noise. He wakes up. He doesn't see his wife next to him. He grabs his gun. He hears noises in the bathroom. He kicks the bathroom door open and he sees a man um, hovering, like standing over his wife, um, like suffocating her with like the, the, um, like the shower curtain. Um, and he shoots him and he goes to sort of take the shower curtain off his, off his wife. And then another man comes in and pushes him into the bathroom mirror and cracks the mirror and he cracks his head in the mirror and he falls on the floor. And that's how, like, that's how he got his brain damage. That's why he can't remember anything. And fun fact, this is not in my trivia, but fun fact, um, the scene where he is, um, he cracks his head and he's on the floor and there's like all this blood pouring out of his head. Christopher Nolan didn't want that. And Guy Pearce said, no, I think that would be really cool. And he put the, and, and Christopher Nolan goes, oh, okay, I'll put it in. And when he put it in and saw it aesthetically looking, he really, really liked it. And he left it in. And, you know, in all seriousness, that, that scene is very, very effective because 
that scene is basically where Vincent's whole disease comes from. Vincent? <gasps> is oh it Vincent? My fucking... <laughs> Leonard. Okay, okay. Uh... Leonard. Okay. That okay. That, take God knows whatever. That scene really is a that scene is really great because that scene shows you where Leonard's disease came from. And mm. Leonard, uh, I, I can't remember, I can't remember um who he says this to in the film, but at one point one character asks him, What's the what's the last memory that you remember before your disease kicked in or your disability kicked in? And he says, It's the vision of my wife dead on the floor in our bathroom with uh with uh with the shower curtain over her head and i'm like holy fuck that is that is some yeah. fucked it's up fucked. shit but onward it is um so the next scene is he's at a bar and natalie is the bartender and so you're like okay and they don't well okay you think they don't know each other yet because she's acting like she doesn't know him and obviously he doesn't know her so that's that that scene is that that's it the next scene is he's in his um car i think he's in his car and then he finds a coaster in his pocket for ferdy's bar and on the back it says come by natalie and he goes, oh, okay, so then so then he goes to the bar. So this is when he's in the bar with Natalie. This is the scene. Yep. We're going fucking backwards. All right. So he goes and sits at the bar and Natalie says um, her boyfriend told her about him. And then he says, I think he says or she says, did Teddy send you? She says um, it. I no. think he says, did Teddy? She says, she says it. it, right. She Sorry, I didn't it. write that down. Did Teddy send you? That's right. That's right. And then he sits down and then he goes – he goes to a booth, I think, and sits down, and then she brings him. Oh no! Look, I didn't write this down because I was literally dry heaving. <laughs> when oh, the like spit. she gets every she gets people spit. to spit That's in like disgusting. a drink, and I was like literally, I was That's like dry he- like I can't, I can't even. I didn't. Yeah, so I don't want to dwell on that at all because I'm going to be fucking dry heaving. So anyway. He's talking to her. He's she, and he spits in it too because she's like, "No, it's like a game thingy." I don't know. She fucking says something. Anyway, he goes and sits in like a booth, and she comes over. She's like, "Hi," and he doesn't remember her. So this is when she learns how much time she's got between his memory wipes. That's when she learns it, and so he gives her. She gives him the drink that everybody spit in, and he drinks it, and I'm going to dry heave. I can't even – I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) So let's just go to the next scene because that's fucking gross. So um, the next scene is he's getting tattooed at the tattoo parlor, one of his his remembering tattoo things. Um, Teddy comes in, and he keeps telling him to leave town. It's not safe here. You've got to leave town. It's not safe here. And we don't know why. Um, And, oh, well, he says cops are looking for him, but we really don't know why. He says, cops are looking for him. He says, um, and then uh, I think Teddy, uh, not Teddy, I think uh, Leonard says, there's a cop that's messing with him. And this is when he find. this is when he puts his hand in his pocket and finds the coaster for the bar, which was the previous scene. So then he pulls up to the bar and when he, when he pulls up to the bar, he sees um, Natalie out the front. Like, I think she's, like, putting rubbish in the bin or something. And he asks if – she asks if he's Jimmy. And then 
and he's like, uh, I think he says no or something. I forgot. And then he enters, he enters the bar. Um, and that's when he sits at the bar, but she already met him. She already knows him. So, and, but he obviously doesn't remember. So that's two instances where she understands the time difference between his, his memory wipes. And that's why she's able to kind of manipulate him, him later. Um, anything on those scenes before I continue? What did you, I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, Natalie is a person who is not above board, but do you think Natalie as a character functioned properly within the story? Like, I, you know, I understand that she was put there to sort of give the audience a sense of how uh, Leonard's disease affects him and how, uh, you know, you know, you know, and how it works. But I really didn't find her whole excuse for abusing Leonard all that interesting. Nothing in this movie makes sense at all. So when I was watching this movie, I threw my screenwriter hat out the fucking window <laughs> and I just watched you know, the movie. I, you know, um, yeah, nothing makes you sense. Know, I just want to point out here that as we're going through this, I'm getting exhausted hearing you talk. <laughs> I'm exhausted talking about it because it's, I'm not just, I'm not just talking about it. I have to remember like scenes that preceded the scene that I'm talking about and explain those as well as this, and I'm mentally fucking yeah, exhausted. Yeah, yeah. So let's just you know, let's just be clear for any for for any of our fellow writers who can be watching this. This movie is structurally immaculate, but if you're not in a certain kind of mood, do not watch this movie because this movie will make your brain hurt. Especially talking about it. <laughs> That will make your brain hurt even more. So anyway, um, the next scene is he's he's leaving the hotel and then he turns around and takes a, a, a he takes a Polaroid of Teddy. So that's the Polaroid he has at the beginning of the film of Teddy. And Teddy then says he's an undercover cop and he's the one that's been on the phone with him, which makes no sense because I didn't write down the fucking black and white scenes. Um, I don't want to go into the black and white unless you want to explain what the back, black and white scenes are. No, well, I no, well, I had I had a theory that the black and white scenes are everything that happened before the movie began. So the black and white, yeah. the black and white scenes show us how uh, uh, Leonard got to the town in the first place, and how his this this mystery of him finding his killer's wife started. And I think those black and white scenes make a lot more sense once we figure out what is really happening here. But for that to happen, we got to keep pushing forward because that the end, the end yep. really jiggers everything into place. Yeah. Yeah. So the next scene is, um, this is when they go to the, um, Guy Pearce character goes to the abandoned building from the beginning of the movie that Natalie told him about. And, he, um, what did I write down here? Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> oh, he hears a voice say, he, he goes into the abandoned building and he hears a voice say, Teddy. And so Guy turns around and he sees 
the man in the photo with Natalie, so Natalie's husband, right? If you, this is what this is what me and Marcelo are trying to say. You have to pay attention because if you blinked or looked away from that scene, you would have no fucking clue who this guy was. But he was in the photo, so you're like, oh, but is that's that's the reason? That's the reason Natalie's fucking with him, right? Because he she because he killed his husband, her yep. husband, right? That's Bingo. the whole thing, right? Exactly. So at that point, you don't know, but at this point, you're like, oh, okay. So that's this is Natalie's husband, and then he keeps saying, "Are you Jimmy?" And he's like, uh. So anyway, um, they have a. Uh, I don't know if they have a fight or they anything. Have a, I can't remember. They, they have so, a. They have a row. In. They have a row. They have yeah, a row yeah. in the building, and then they go out for chips. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they have a row, and Guy Pierce um, strangles that guy um, kills him and he changes into his clothes. So when he goes to the abandoned building, he's kind of dressed like maybe like a lumberjack. Um, And when he kills this guy, he puts on his suit, which is the suit that he's wearing for the whole movie. And you think that that's his clothes and it's not, it's this guy that he's just killed clothes. No, but this end scene is the beginning of the movie. Yes, exactly. This is this is the beginning of, of the movie. So he changes into his clothes, um, which, yeah, which is the suit he's been wearing for the whole thing. Let me just change my notes over. Um, and then Teddy shows up. Um, and so now Guy Pierce does this thing where he pretends not to know who Teddy is, right? So this is the first time he's actually pretended, oh, I don't know who you are. And so Teddy goes, oh, fuck. So now I've got to try to do the fucking shit again. So he lures him in to the building and then he hits him over the head. Um, He grabs his ID and he's a cop, which he said before, but that was in a scene that was after. This is before. <laughs> this is before that. Yeah. Okay. This is we're nearly over, on, folks. No, 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 <laughs> but, no, but I was like, Dean, we're almost on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, we're all, I'm going to make it to the finish line. So grab his ID. He's a cop. And he tells him, this is this is what I liked. This is kind of like the, I don't know if it's a twist. I guess it is. So he tells him, did you know that your wife actually survived the attack? And he was like, what? And he goes, she couldn't cope with your brain injury, so she left you. And he was like, and he just like, because he doesn't remember anything. So why would he remember that? And so he thinks he's fucking with him. And he says, so Teddy's saying he helped him. He actually helped Guy Pierce's character find the other guy that was trying to rape and, and um, kill his wife, the guy that got away. He actually helped him find the other guy um, a year ago and he killed him. And Guy Pierce is like, no, that never happened. He goes, yes, it did, but you forgot. And then Teddy continues to tell him. So Teddy's basically, he's basically using him to clear his, clear people that he doesn't like by, by pointing him in the direction um, of, hey, this is the guy who might have killed your wife. Basically, he's taking advantage of him, saying, oh, this this like this is like a random drug dealer. I don't like him. Um, so let's just pretend that this is the guy that you're looking for, and so you can kill him. So he's I mean it's it's pretty ingenious. But what else? The other thing that Teddy says, which I found was interesting, is in the black and white story that I didn't write down, he's you know, it's a backstory on Leonard. He's saying he's an insurance broker. And there's this story of this guy and this girl, and this guy has his brain, brain injury. And this woman 
um, has diabetes and has to have this insulin shot every day. And, you know, Teddy is saying, no, that's your story. That's you, you're making, you're pretending that someone else, that's your story. Your wife had diabetes. Like that's your story. And he was like, no, I, my wife never had diabetes and blah, 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 blah. So basically the whole like black and white sequence to me was him and his wife, but he's putting it as if it's not like, is that right? Or is that not right? You're actually blowing the back of my head off. Cause I, as an audience member, I read that straight. So when you start going, wait a minute, is, did Leonard make the whole thing up? Because if Leonard made the whole thing up, that changes the whole dynamic of the film. But going, going on, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, going, going on that assumption, I really find it heartbreaking and kind of disturbing how Teddy uses Vincent as his sword Mm -hmm. of justice. And he actually... Like yes. Hitman. And he actually gives Vincent this sense of purpose. Because if yeah, if, mm, if Vincent mm-hmm. didn't have this, Vincent would basically be like a chicken walking around the world without any purpose. And the thing that and the yes. thing that te- and the and the thing that Leonard said uh the thing that Leonard says Yes, the thing that Leonard says um, when, t- when, when Teddy, you know, first, you know, tells him this story, uh, he goes, you took advantage of me and you did this and you did that. But then Teddy, I believe shows Leonard, a Polaroid of Vincent, pres- you know, presumably, uh, uh presuming, uh, presuming of Vincent. Yeah. Is it of Vince? He shows Leonard a Polaroid of Vincent oh. or he shows Leonard a Polaroid of Leonard. Oh. He shows he shows Leonard a Polaroid of Leonard, presumably when Leonard originally killed the men that were trying mm-hmm. to rape his wife. Okay, mm-hmm. and yep. yep, in that Polaroid, Leonard has such a, a of a look of euphoria and happiness on his face. So that's when Teddy gets the idea to use Leonard. To clear his ledger. Yeah. Oh my god. Mm. Yeah, see, this movie's oh. my fault. <laughs> yes. Um, but that was I mean, that whole thing was like a mind twist, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So everything kind of comes together at the end. But he he um this is where he writes. He's in the car. Leonard's in the car. So he steals the car. Like the car, the car has been driving around in the whole movie was the guy that he just killed car. He took his clothes and he took his car. So the thing that I like was he's got the pole. What is it? He's, I think he's, uh, got the Polaroid of Teddy. Yeah. And he said, and he writes on the back of it. Don't believe his lies. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, Teddy's Polaroid. Yeah. Yeah. Don't believe his lies. Um, but he know, he knows he knows that this is bullshit but it's like he wants to stay in the fantasy cuz what else has he got so he's actually from my point of view he's actually done that on purpose to keep because he goes well what else basically what i got like what else is he going to do does that make sense and then he and then he writes down teddy's license plate number as like like evidence so 
as to like who he's searching for. So he knows it's not him, but he, again, this is the start of the movie. He's lying to himself because, you know, he has to have yeah, something yeah. to this do. Film, in a way. I, you know, with the, uh, uh, during the final sequence of this film, I, I thought that the film really brought up an interesting question of living in reality or living in a fantasy world and how one perceives themselves in each scenario. Yeah, exactly. And I thought it was funny that it's like, oh, he actually has chosen to live in the fantasy world, which I thought was really, really cool. And then, um, yeah, so he's, he's in the car, blah, 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 blah. And the last scene of the movie is he stops at the tattoo parlor and he looks at the license plate number he wrote down. And this is the start of when he starts getting his tattoos and of the story. So the story ends where the story actually begins. That's the end of the movie. Trivia? <laughs> oh, trivia. Yes, trivia. Um, the movie took 25 days to shoot. Ah, that's economical. That's all right. That's not bad. Um, Carrie Ann Moss shot all her scenes in eight days. Wow, Okay. It's not bad for a week's of work, week of work. Um, Guy Pearce, before he shot this movie, was actually 230 pounds. And he lost, uh, like, which is, sorry, 230 pounds. But for um, UK and Australia, it was 104 kilos before filming. And he lost all the weight and put on the muscle for this oh my role. God. Which I thought, thought he's awesome. Um, other actors considered for Leonard was Brad Pitt, Charlie Sheen. And Thomas Jane. Tom, Thomas Jane yeah, would be yeah, good. Yeah, Thomas Jane would have been an interesting choice. Yeah, he would have been good. Um, and the last one is um, other actors considered for the role of Natalie were Ashley Judd, Famke Jansen, and Angelina oh, Jolie. Famke, Famke Jansen. Famke Jansen oh would have been God. awesome. Jean, I love her. Is it, yeah, Jean Grey, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Jean oh Grey. That, yeah, but she's, she's gorgeous. Awesome. Um, Yes, so yeah, that's the that end of the video. Awesome. All right, guys, I won't actually put you through, you know, uh, pain any longer. The only thing I will say, if you guys made it through this podcast uh, episode of ours, thank you very, very much. As I often say, um, if one if one day someone is kind enough to make you a mixtape, that must mean that they truly, truly love you. The Mixtape Podcast is a Balloonhead Productions presentation.